Good morning, beautiful people, and welcome to episode five of the Clutch Down podcast. This is part three of the free agency special. Still a lot of big moves going on this week, so let's get into it. Okay, so there weren't too many cuts this week, so let's kick things off with the bluff instead. So this comes from Dripfo in Connecticut. Thank you, my friend. In 2021, there were 11 receivers to go over 1,000 receiving yards, but only five had double-digit receiving touchdowns. Okay, I think this is false, but let me just go through it in my head. So the people I know who definitely had over 10 touchdowns or 10 touchdowns or more, so Cup, for sure, Chase... Adams Hill? I think Hill did. He might have come close to it, but I'm pretty sure he did. Okay, so that's four, but I can't think of a fifth. Who else would, who would have been up there? I'm not sure. Okay, let's move on to a thousand yard receivers because I think there was a ton of them last year. I definitely think there was more than 11. I mean, you had three tight ends who went over a thousand yards. So that was Kelsey, Andrews, and Pitts. So in terms of receivers, okay, let's go for it in my head. So for the Bucks, you had obviously Evans and Godwin. Godwin before his ACL injury. Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett for the Seahawks because Metcalf didn't go over a 1,000 yards. But he might have had more than 10 touchdowns. But okay, let's continue with this thought process. Brandon Cooks had another season because he seems to get traded to any team and have a 1,000-yard season because that was good. Then Stefan Diggs. I'm not sure if I mentioned Have I mentioned Hill? I think, yeah, Tyreek Hill as well, definitely. Then Darnell Mooney because he had a really good season for the Bears when Adam Robinson took a bit of a back step. Mooney kind of stepped up. Then, oh, and Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro definitely did. Oh, and then Michael Pittman. Okay, well, that's definitely more than 11. So I'm going to have to go with false for this just for the fact that those are just off the top of my head, but I could probably easily name quite a few more receivers who went over 1,000 yards. Yeah! Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, it was false. Nice. Okay, beautiful. I'm five for five. So yeah, I thought it was a few more. So 23 receivers went over 1,000 yards, and that's not including the tight ends. And then the eight players who had double-digit touchdowns were Cup, Evans, Chase, Metcalf, yeah, yeah, I thought so, Devontae Adams, Adam Thielen, oh yeah, of course, Justin Jefferson, and then Stefan Diggs. Okay, so there was eight, so there wasn't five, but yeah, my thought process was definitely to do with the thousand-yard receivers because I knew there were quite a few this year, to, to say the least. Okay, great, five for five. Let's try and keep this going as long as we can. I'm, I'm liking the fact we're getting a mix-up of different NFL-related stuff. It's not just being sort of based on one thing each week. It's I'm getting some very different bluffs and questions from people. So yeah, thanks, Dripfo. Excellent. Okay, now moving into free agency, let's chat about the players that were signed to new teams this week. So in terms of running backs, you had Duke Johnson, who was signed to the Bills from the Dolphins. So Johnson had a good end to his season last year. So last year with the Dolphins, he played five games, and he started for the Dolphins in weeks 15 to 18, where he had two 100-yard games. Other running back, Ronald Jones, was signed to the Chiefs from the Bucks. This is a good move. He's very good sort of straight primary back who can run the ball. He's not exactly a receiving back, and I think that's kind of how the Bucks wanted to play their game, especially with Brady, who likes to dump off to the running back a lot of the time. So it's a, it's a good pickup for the Chiefs, and I say pairing him with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be a, a good backfield, so that, that's, a, that's a good move for them. In terms of wide receivers, you actually had Corey Coleman, who signed with the Chiefs, so he didn't play at all last season. He was suspended for the first six games for violating the NFL's performance-enhancing drug policy, but now he's back with the Chiefs. Demarcus Robinson signed with the Raiders from the Chiefs. Zach Pascal signs with the Eagles from the Colts. 
And then in uh, one of the more wholesome signings of free agency, you had Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who signed with the Chiefs from the Packers. So he signed a three-year, 30 million deal. He tweeted out after that, sort of saying his appreciations, and he got cut from his high school team as a freshman, and now he's signing his second NFL contract. Uh, Yeah, very happy for him. Richie James signed with the Giants from the 49ers, and Deshaun Hamilton signed with Houston from the Broncos. In terms of tight ends, Jacob Hollister went to the Raiders from the Jaguars. And then moving on to O-line, in one of the the bigger moves throughout entire free agency, you had Teron Armstead, who went to the Dolphins from the Saints. So he signs a five-year, 75 million deal. He's an exceptional pass blocker. And he played nine seasons with the Saints. The Dolphins' O-line was ranked the worst in the NFL in the final pro football focus rankings of last year. So they get some well-needed help on the O-lines. It's a good move by them. So in other offensive line news, you had Billy Turner, who signed with the Broncos from Green Bay. Then in guards, Will Hernandez signed to the Cardinals from the Giants. Onto the defensive side now, defensive tackles, Jaron Reed signed with the Packers from the Chiefs, Vernon Butler signed with the Raiders from the Bills, and then Kyle Pecco also signed with the Raiders from the Titans. Defensive ends, Effie Obada signs to the Commanders from the Bills, this is a cool sign-in. So he was basically born in Nigeria and he was raised in the UK and he was actually the first international player to go straight from a European league to the NFL. Then other defensive end news, you had Jinnard Avery who signed with the Steelers from the Eagles. On to linebackers, specifically outside linebackers. We finally had the news on where Zadarius Smith was going. So originally supposed to sign with the Ravens, but he signed with the Vikings instead. He was meant to sign a four-year, 35 million deal with a max of 50 million with the Ravens, but instead signed a three-year, 42 million deal with a max of 47 million for the Vikings. So he's coming from the Packers to a division rival. So yeah, okay, interesting move. In terms of inside linebackers, you had Joel E.A. Bunaway go from the Bears to the Seahawks, Jalen Brown go from the Titans to the Raiders, and then Kaiser White, who signed a one-year deal with the Eagles after going from the Chargers. Going on to defensive backs, specifically cornerbacks, you had Mike Hughes signed with the Lions from the Chiefs, and then Malcolm Butler, Super Bowl hero Malcolm Butler, goes from the Cardinals, where he said he'd actually retired last year, and he signs a two-year deal with the Patriots. Obviously, everyone remembers Malcolm Butler for that game-sealing interception in the Super Bowl against the Seahawks, so he goes back to back to that team. Other cornerbacks, you had Kawan Williams go from the 49ers to the Broncos, and then Justin Coleman go from the Dolphins to the Seahawks. Safeties, Duran Harmon goes from the Falcons to the Raiders, Daniel Sorensen goes from the Chiefs to the Saints, and then in terms of kickers, special teams, you had Greg Zerline after his release from the Cowboys goes to the Jets. So actually, these are rolling off the tongue these times. First episode of Free Agency, it was a bit like, oh, remember all these names, try and do my best with it. But now it's just like completely, it's like it's all ingrained, even though there are new names that are coming out each week. Moving on to news and updates. So the biggest news of the week, I'd say, was Tyreek Hill got traded from the Chiefs to the Dolphins. He was traded for five draft picks in total. So a 2022 first round pick and second round pick, as well as a fourth round pick and then fourth and sixth round picks in next year's 2023 draft. He also signs a four-year, 120 million extension that includes 72 million guaranteed at the start of the league year, and then another 52.5 million that's guaranteed at signing. So big move for the Dolphins. Chiefs get some draft capital and clear up some cap space. Uh, Works well for both teams. In other wide receiver news, the Titans have said they want to re-sign AJ Brown as soon as possible. So he's set to make just under $4 million in the final year of his rookie contract. And Titans GM John Robinson 
says he intends to change that in the coming months after free agency and wants to get an agreement in place between the two sides. Jaguar centre Brandon Linder retired from the NFL after eight seasons. He started and played 84 games in his Jaguars career after being drafted in the third round of the 2014 draft. And then finally, in fun, more entertainment news, you had the Detroit Lions who have announced that they will be on Hard Knocks this year. So it'll follow them in training camp. There's going to be five episodes First episode debuts on Tuesday, August the 9th, and then there's hour-long episodes every week after that, which will culminate in the September 6th season finale. Lions were a bit of a quite wholesome team last year. You know, they it looks like their their new coach, Dan Campbell, has built quite a, a good ethos and a, a good kind of atmosphere in Detroit. So it'll be interesting to see what they do this season. And also interesting to just see the behind the scenes of how he works as a head coach uh, during Hard Knocks. So that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Now, talking about our final piece of news, also gets us into the next part of the show. So the Giants have said that they're not going to be shopping Saquon Barkley. Giants co-owner John Mara confirmed this. So Barkley's only had 228 touches for 950 scrimmage yards and four touchdowns in 15 games across the past two seasons. I think, you know, he's good to keep around, especially now he's going to be combined with Matt Breeder as well. He's, he's got a good back to spell behind him. He's never had a good O-line since he's been in the league and he's also coming straight off an ACL injury and going back to a team which doesn't have a very good line. So... I think you need to build a line around him. And also I mentioned that about uh, building around Daniel Jones as well. So, you know, he's only 25. He's got time to bounce back. And he showed some really good flashes of plays last season as well, especially in the open field. So that brings us to our part of this podcast plays of the week yeah it was gone for a couple of weeks with all the talk of free agency but we brought it back this week i thought it was a good opportunity to show some of saquon barkley's plays from last season that show how good of a back he actually is so my first play of his is his one-handed catch in week 15 versus the cowboys nothing too flashy in the in the box score of this play but in terms of the actual play and effort by barkley it's what makes it one of my plays of the week so the Giants were down six with two minutes 50 to go in the first quarter. It was a play on third and one. So it was a play action call. And then Mike Glennon dumped it off to Barkley. And Barkley plucked it out of the air, seemingly with his fingertips. And then brought it forward and advanced it and got a two-yard gain and got the first down. It's quite funny to have a play of the week that's literally a two-yard game. But it was such an amazing catch in the moment to have the concentration and then also still get the first down that I thought was worthy of a play of the week. And then my other play of the week for Saquon Barkley was in their week four comeback win versus the Saints so it was his 54 yard receiving touchdown Giants were down 11 with seven minutes to go in the fourth and then Barkley found a little hole in coverage I think the thing I like about this play which is why I mentioned it is it showed his speed and burst that he still has and and showed how good of a receiver is and how he can still play like that also in the game he had 54 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown which won the game in overtime and that went with his 74 receiving yards and receiving touchdown that I mentioned so I think yeah I think the Giants probably they Daniel Jones is also shown flashes a lot so I think you just need to uh, put a line around him and Barkley and then and get them in a bit of a, a better place and I think you're gonna you're gonna really get the get the value of of Barkley still unsure of Daniel Jones but you'll definitely get the value of Barkley going forward especially with that as a receiving threat beautiful that was our plays of the week so let's move on with free agency and talk about the players that were re-signed or extended to the teams so in terms of running backs you had Corderell Patterson who signed a two-year 10.5 million deal with the Falcons I think everyone remembers last season Patterson had a great season he was happy with how he was using the Falcons saying I quote Atlanta spoiled me 
So that's a good position for him. He was also tweeting out. It looked like he was very, very happy with what had happened. Also, Salvan Ahmed was extended for the Dolphins. And then Dontrell Hilliard was also extended for the Titans. Now moving on to fullbacks, you had Patrick Ricard, who was signed to a three-year contract with the Ravens. There, so in terms of wide receivers, Chris Conley was signed to a one-year deal with the Texans. And then Brashad Perriman was signed to a one-year extension with the Bucks. Probably remember Perriman last year for his game-winning touchdown against the Bills. So the Bills were down 24-3 at one point, and they got the game back to 27 27 then in overtime brady threw a 58 yard touchdown pass to perriman it was a great play really really good play then other wide receivers you had Traycon smith who signed a two-year deal with the saints in terms of tight ends you had jeremy sprinkle who signed a one-year veterans deal with the cowboys so that's a good veteran presence for blocking behind schultz then farrow brown signed a one-year deal with the texans guards you had dan feeney signed a one-year deal with the jets and then jermaine luminor signed a deal with the raiders in terms of defensive tackles you had william golston signed a one-year deal with the bucks who returns for his 10th season with them he played in all 17 games last season with 10 starts and racked up 4.5 sacks. Defensive end, you had Jordan Willis signed a one-year deal with the 49ers, and then Derek Barnett signed a two-year deal with the Eagles. So you'll remember Barnett from the fumble he recovered that was caused by Brandon Graham in that Super Bowl against the Patriots, which basically all but helped them seal the win in the end. Defensive backs, you had cornerbacks Anthony Harris signed a one-year deal with the Eagles, and then Akilo Witherspoon signed a two-year deal with the Steelers. Safeties, Eric Harris signs a one-year deal with the Falcons, and then J. Ron Kirst signs a two-year deal with the Cowboys. So he started 15 games last season and tallied 101 tackles, 10 passes defensed, and two interceptions fit very very well into Dan Quinn's scheme lovely that does it for the free agency part of this episode so let's chat about some of the controversies that have been going on in the NFL this week so one of the NFL controversies that never really leaves and that we seem to chat about every offseason or after every postseason is the overtime rules in the NFL so the overtime rules at the moment are basically when teams go to OT there's a coin toss the team that guesses it right gets to choose if they want to receive the ball which side they kick at so obviously they go for receiving the ball and if they score a touchdown on their first possession then that ends the game if they get a field goal it goes to the other team if the other team gets a field goal then it goes into sudden death again or if the other team gets a touchdown then they win and obviously if they don't get a touchdown at any points then they lose so obviously a lot of people say this is an issue because it's kind of deciding these very close games through the toss of a coin and especially in this day and age when the NFL is all about offense and it's a lot harder to play defense than it used to be. Also after the playoffs this year when the Chiefs and the Bills went back and forth and basically the game came down to whoever had the ball last and obviously the Chiefs got the ball first in overtime and then they won by scoring a touchdown on their first possession. So there's always controversies to do with that, but right now you've got the Colts and Eagles who have proposed making it mandatory for each team to have a possession in overtime before then they move to sudden death. Titans have proposed a tweak that would mean they'd implement a mandatory possession for each team unless the team that has the ball first gets a touchdown and converts a successful two-point attempt. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I think it's good. I think the OT rule should change. I think there's an argument for going down and winning the game in the allotted time in the game and I can understand that you know it's it's a game of offense defense and special teams at the end of the day and you've got the regular time to do that but also if it's a very very close game between two teams that are going back and forth back and forth like for example in the postseason the the two teams that have made it there have made it there because they've had great seasons and because they should be there so it seems very kind of archaic to then decide the the final score of that game 
based on a coin toss. There's no there's no skill involved in a coin toss. It's it's just a bit strange, like especially if you've got two teams who are more about their offense, for example, the Bills and the Chiefs. Like the Bills had the number one defense in the league last year. But when you're in a game like that where it's defense is playing so hard on every play just to stop the other team from getting points by the time you got to the end of the game that defense is going to be knackered and that's what we saw happen with the Bills when the Chiefs had their first possession they were absolutely knackered from defending the likes of Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey for the entire game so it's got to come down to 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 the skill of the entire team at the end of the day like if defense are are playing not so good they've got to step up but then if offense are playing better and defense are playing good that's why you have a team because then they can balance themselves out and so I think I think it should be changed personally I think it should be changed I think that each team should have the chance to get a possession and then go to sudden death I agree with the Colts and the Eagles and what they say because I just think it's it's it brings it down to skill and it also makes the games those really good games that get into overtime and have been either incredibly offensive or incredibly defensive or however the games have gone it just makes them more fun like it makes the end more fun you don't feel you feel like the best team has won by the end of it rather than you know who has the best luck in that situation and so yeah i I think it should be changed I, i think there should be an overtime possession for each team and then they move to sudden death after that i understand the arguments for both sides but for me i just think that would it would see more of more higher octane ends to these games there'd be no more discussion about how fair the overtime rules are like the fact that like in my eyes the fact that it keeps coming up every single season over another game and something else that happens and the fact that you know it's not the the bills of the chiefs that have proposed these these things it's the colts the eagles and the titans so that's three teams who weren't involved in that chiefs and bills game who are coming up with a solution so there's obviously not one team who thinks it's fair. It's not just one team coming out and saying, oh, this sucks. There's a few teams. And so I think because of that, it should be changed. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with it. I think they need to get 24 votes of the team. So a massive majority for it to happen. And, you know, some people are, are, are completely against it. Like Mike Tomlin came out and said, I don't fear sudden death. So, yeah, it could develop into being a change. It seems like every year we get closer and closer to the overtime rules changing. But we'll follow that and keep up with it as it goes on. Away from that, and apparently Trey Lance has been reassured that he'll be the starter for next season. So ESPN's Jeremy Fowler wrote that behind the scenes, Trey Lance has been given the impression he will start in 2022. And that a few teams have concerns about Garoppolo's surgically repaired shoulder. I think forgetting about Garoppolo, I think you draft a quarterback in the first round then I've mentioned this before, but you kind of just have to take the training wheels off at some point. He's a very raw talent, Trey Lance. He's got the ability to go to the to the moon. But if you just have him sitting constantly, like he sat for a season, he sat behind Garoppolo, he's had some games started where he played okay. Like, I think just throw him out there. Throw him out there and, and see what he can do. Give him a chance to just to 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 develop in real game situations because at the end of the day that's how players are are going to develop the best rather than in training and behind and all that there's there's contrast with players sitting like Aaron Rodgers sat for two seasons then you've got someone like Patrick Mahomes who sat for a season and came in as a starter I think sitting behind for a season makes a massive difference you know you could sit in for a second season but then you're just kind of you're almost wasting another season in San Francisco like they've they've gone to a Super Bowl, they've nearly gone to a Super Bowl for a second time, 
but they haven't won it. So does that kind of show now that Garoppolo can't? So instead of just having another season where you kind of coast along and hope you get there with Garoppolo, just throw Trey Lance in. And, you know, he's got so many good pieces around him, so many good receivers, such a good running back committee, such a good coaching staff that he's in the, the best possible position to succeed. And I think you just got to take the training wheels off and, and see what you could do. So whether this is true or not, we're not sure. There obviously has been reports of teams that didn't want to trade for Garoppolo because of his shoulder. But I'd like to see what he does. I'd like to see what he does next season. And I'm hoping that he's going to be the starter. And I hope that's the way that the 49ers go. Okay, so that's everything for the NFL part of the podcast. And now it's time to talk about my album of the week. So my album of the week this week is Handwritten by the Gaslight Anthem. Very, very contrasting albums coming each week. So the Gaslight Anthem are an American rock band from New Jersey that were formed back in 2006. I discovered them a few years ago. I remember when I kind of got massively into them first, I went to a gig of theirs, saw them live. And when I was on holiday in Greece... And when I was on holiday in Greece, it was we were driving through the mountains, me and my family and that, and I had them playing and it just had this really kind of ethereal feel to it as we were driving through and I was listening to this band and they've got really, really good lyrics. They've got some really kind of more upbeat songs, some good slower songs. Their singer's got quite a gritty voice, so it's a kind of combination of all good things. I'd say the top songs to look out for on the album are Handwritten, 45, and then Blue Dahlia. Those are my favorites, Blue Dahlia being my favorite one overall. And the funny thing is, I, I was just driving in my car the other day, the sun was shining, it was a really nice day out, and then one of their songs just came into my mind, like one, one of the lyrics from Blue Dahlia came into my mind. I was suddenly reminded, maybe it was the, the sun that was out kind of reminded me of Greece and I went from there, but coincidentally, four days ago, they announced on Instagram that they're actually un- reuniting again and they're returning to full-time status after being in hiatus since 2018. So they're going to bring out a new studio album, their sixth studio album. So now is the perfect time to get into them. So check that out, the Gaslight Anthem, handwritten. Okay, thanks everyone for listening again. This was episode five of the Clutchdown podcast, the free agency special part three. Follow me on all the social medias at Clutchdown Pod or at Clutchdown Podcast. I'll be posting the plays of the week from Saquon Barkley on my Twitter and on my Instagram. So other than that, enjoy your day and I will catch you next week, beautiful people. What?